Hey, you ever listen to stock radio? Ever listen to stock radio on Weeb? Welcome in my co-host, Nick Butts. How you doing? Good, dude. How about you? Kenny, how are you, man? I'm great. Very well. Glad to have you here. Glad you're feeling good enough to be here. I know you've had some stomach issues going on. Appreciate yeah. you being a trooper. IBS sucks, man. IBS does suck, man. Don't wish it on anybody. I've got minor stomach issues, like acid reflux problems and some stomach you know, Monday morning stomach issues because of a bad week. A lot of self-inflicted. A lot of self-inflicted. But even when I've tried to change things, it's been tough. So I can only imagine. I a lot of fried foods, all that. Stop. (laughs) I've been stopped. Yeah. You got years of now making up for what you did as a youth. That's what life is, Ken. You're talking to a 40-year-old guy who's making up for the first 20 years of his life consistently. So... Is what it is. Glad you're here. Glad you're feeling a little bit better. And also happy to welcome my wife, Stace. How are you? Hey, good. Glad to be back. Glad to have you back. Glad you're feeling good enough to be here. Also another person being a trooper. Stace really is probably not feeling good enough to be sitting up for a long time consistently. But she is our co-host tonight on Potstock Radio. And of course, things never work out the way they're supposed to. We had uh, for a while booked Chuck Rafici. You may know him from Tweed, Canopy Growth now, you know, the, one of the co-founders of the first Canada company actually growing weed, and now is involved with Cannabis Wheaton and CEO of Nesta, but unfortunately, they had a halt today, and I got to respect it. I thought he was going to bail earlier. I actually gave him a somewhat – I was expecting it, like, hey, checking in with you, Chuck, to make sure tonight at 8.15 works. Here's the number you're calling into. And I got back a thanks, so I'm like, okay, I guess Chuck's actually calling in. Of course, on my way home, getting ready for the show is when I get an email from Chuck, which totally understood. The company's halted. He can't really say much, and it's not a good move to be involved in media when your company's been halted. So I hope Chuck can come on once the halt is lifted and the uh, waters are unmuddied, and he can tell us a little bit about what happened and what the future holds for Cannabis Wheaton. Just got to fall back for a little bit. Just got to sit back and wait. And I can't, I can't wait. We're having on, in place of Chuck, someone named Alan Brockstein. If you're a fan of Postdoc Radio, you definitely know Alan Brockstein. He was not only our probably guest who had been on the most, but he was the first guest ever on Postdoc Radio because he was being frivolously sued by a company just for speaking his mind about the future of the company. And you know, he's been on a ton since. I love having him on tonight because Halt is Alan Brockstein's specialty. He understands what happens to cause halts, but he'll also tell us, and I, I'm interested to hear the answer, sometimes FINRA, which is the 
uh, division that actually halts companies never tells you why the company got halted. The company just then is allowed to trade. Their stock goes down 50 to sometimes 85, 90%. And as far as I know, sometimes the companies never actually find out. Oh, like company. Grow Life. There was one that was the biggest, one of the biggest companies of 2014. It was called Grow Life. Their, their symbol was P-H-O-T. And FOT, as we called them, was they were the companies that provided all the grow lights to come to all the dispensaries. So they were what we thought was going to be a staple of a company that was going to be around for years. They got halted. Their stock went down tremendously, never came back. And I remember it being six months to a year later, and Alan Brockstein, uh, Alan Brockstein was still complaining, saying, why hasn't FINRA said what the halt was Due to, they never released the findings. So interested to hear how things have changed since 2014 when a company gets halted and perfect timing when we have a guest who can't be on because they were a halted company. So we've got uh, Alan Brockstein calling in first, probably in about 10 minutes. And then we've got Glenn Martin, CEO of uh, ticker symbol Buds, B-U-D-Z. Weed Incorporated is the name of the company, and I've been talking to Glenn for a while. I'm going to say a good couple of years when his company first went public and just trying to find the right time to have him on Potstock Radio. We lost connection. He went to Australia to uh, do some work on, I believe, a grow for the company, but we're going to find that out when we talk to Glenn. And then we kind of lost touch, and then perfect timing for him to fill in for Chuck Rafici, who hopefully will be a July, August, September. Tell us what happened. And now we'll talk to him from a point of reflecting back instead of talking to him tonight where even if he came on, what the hell could we actually find out? What could a guy whose company has been halted actually say to give us as possible future or current investors any type of insight. So we will talk to Alan in a couple of minutes and then finish the show up with Glenn from Weed Incorporated, who Glenn said, talk to him about anything. I remember him having a pretty crazy past in cannabis. Like, you know, he got to where he got to, not the conventional way of I was a businessman on Wall Street and you know now I'm in cannabis or you know was was a grower in Colorado for a legal dispensary and then decided to start my own. He was kind of a renegade similar to Bruce Perlowin. So I'm looking forward to hearing from Glenn about not only what's going on in his world now, but what happened back in the day when Things were crazy, and they thought, from my understanding, they thought cannabis was going to be legal in the 70s. <laughs> People who were around doing things in the 70s were doing it because they thought they only had a few years left before this is just going to be legal, and we're not going to be able to make the money we're making now. And then the 80s and the 90s and 30, Alaska. 30 years later. 30 years later, here we are in Alaska. 40 years later became medically legal forever ago. And now to this day, Alaska still, I mean, they passed recreationally, recreational legalization, but it's not in effect now. And they still don't really know how that's going to work. So it's just crazy, the landscape and how people thought it was going to change and hasn't. And things that we thought were definitely going to be in place by now that still aren't. And it makes me go, 
anyone who thinks, anyone who's betting on, you know, changing of schedule one to rely on that for their business is crazy because you just can't rely on anything happening the way we think it's going to happen. So that's what we're doing tonight on Potstock Radio, and we're going to give Chuck Rafici a 100% pass because I really do feel like even in the beginning of the day, he thought maybe there was a chance yeah, he could still be on somebody. tonight. No, especially when they regretfully tell you, look, sorry, and right away say, let's reschedule and do this at a different time. And at least he had the courtesy to get back to you and let you know. And yep. Not just leave you hanging. Well, listen, it is kind of leaving me hanging. When I get notification, when the show's happening at 8 o'clock yeah. and I get notification at 6.45 that my one guest who had been scheduled for about a month and a half wasn't going to be on the show, it is a little bit leaving me hanging, but it's business. So you just got to sit back and go, oh, I get it. I'll bring on my wife. She's way more interested. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got my son and my wife and KD. Who needs Chuck Rafici when we've got the first guest ever? Bringing him back, saving the show. The guy who helped start the show is saving the show. Welcome back to Potstock Radio, Alan Brockstein. Hey, Eric. Good to be here. Good to have you back, man. Good to hear your voice. I've listened to it with you interviewing other people, including tonight's supposed to be guest, Chuck Rafici, but good to hear you live back on Potstock Radio. No, and no problem. I'm gonna if you want, I can imitate Chuck Rafici or I don't know if I can get his voice down. <laughs> I was gonna say, I think I'd we can love just to do hear it. Like it. You, what's that? I said I think I'd love to hear it. So I thought we were going well, to for a second. No, no, I, I cannot do his voice, but I could have pretended nobody knows what he sounds like. He could have just had me uh, be Chuck Rafici. I just saw him the other day. It is true. You do know a lot about Chuck Rafici, which I guess is where we should start being that you're taking his place. So it's oh, I don't know if I want to go there, <laughs> but hey, well, I, I do want your audience to understand. So they're, they're, they weren't suspended or anything like that. It's just a, it's this is what they do up in uh, Canada, and it scares the crap out of people in the United States that don't get it. But when companies have news pending, sometimes they'll uh, suspend trading, and that that that's all that happened there. But when that happens, though, Alan, doesn't that usually only happen for an hour or two? Does that usually happen where it's suspended for the day? You know, I, I think that is correct. It's usually not that long, but we had – look, I was up in Canada a couple uh, – like 10 days ago, and uh, it was pretty amazing because there were two simultaneous uh, halts. Uh, one, one was for Aurora and one was for Cannabis Wheaton, and I think both of them lasted two days, which is just crazy. I mean, the traders were going berserk. Nobody wants to have their stock not trading. So uh, you know, in the case of Aurora, they announced an acquisition. And I, I, I still don't know exactly why they had to halt it for two days before this announcement. And then for Cannabis Wheaton, uh, uh, I think it was to announce – I don't even remember now why, why it was halted. Uh, not to announce the Ab, – yeah, to announce the Abcan deal. But then they didn't halt Abcan. Crazy. So who knows? I, but, uh, I thought – I thought it was the news the news of the uh, back out of the lead investors in – Oh, this one. I was talking about the last halt. So I'm, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. So Cannabis Wheaton was halted, uh, uh, I, I want to say, on Friday and Monday a week ago. I, I was in, in Toronto. I actually you know, met the CFO of Cannabis Wheaton and had dinner with a couple of uh, 
the, the partners involved there, Saltchuk. I mean, but it was halted, and they, they were all fine. I knew there was no problem. They were all smiling. So, uh, but this one, this one's about. So they they've had this pending financing, and the financing uh, has fallen through for now because uh, it's pretty complicated. I, I I don't even really want to talk about it too much because it's a little out of my domain. It was complicated. It yeah, was complicated. and I I don't know all the the facts and. There's there's a lot going on. Uh, b- bigger picture, this is a really cool thing that they're trying to do. So I I do wish them yeah. uh, well. Uh, Canada has you, a big problem. What's that? When you say the cool thing they're doing, you mean the streaming? Is that what the Canada yeah? Streaming? And I, I you know if, if so I, I had a uh, you know this whole idea of streaming is pretty foreign to uh, to to us in the United States, uh, but it's evidently pretty big in Canada conceptually because you know Canada's and, and if you look at a lot of these uh, companies that are in the cannabis space now, a lot of them came out of the people involved came out of the mining industry. That's Canada's like known globally for uh, if you're a mining company, no matter where you are in the in the world, Canada is often your source of financing. Which is this is I mean, if we get into it, this is what's going on in the in the cannabis industry right now. Uh, Canada, you know, everybody knows about the legalization there and everything that's happening, yeah. what they, a lot of people don't know is Canada is funding the United States operations. Yeah. So it's really, and not only the United States, but also places like Colombia, down, you know, Colombia, South America. Sure. So, but back to the streaming thing. So, you know, I, there, there, there's three, three that have announced. Uh, one, one is actually related to Canopy Growth. It's called Canopy Rivers. And it's a it's a very different deal. I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit in a sec. Then then there's cannabis Wheaton, but cannabis Wheaton may have really been the first one. Uh, they just didn't get it announced first, really. And then uh, uh, the other one, ah, I forgot the name of it, but they announced a deal with Marican. Uh, it's called like Green Green Streaming or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so the, the idea is, if I understand the idea correctly, it's basically look. Well, okay, let me – first on streaming. The original streaming concept was like you have this big gold mine, and there's some silver that you're going to be mining as well. We want the silver. We'll give you X amount of dollars if you just give us all the silver or a portion of the silver or something like that. And so the gold miner would say, oh, well, that makes sense. It doesn't cost us anything. And uh, so they get them the stream of silver that comes out. So on the cannabis thing, it's a little different, but the basic model – uh, it comes in different forms, is we'll give you the money and you pay us back with production in the future. Yeah. So so instead of instead of paying back uh, in interest or giving up stock, uh, maybe, you just uh, get paid back for your money in, in cannabis. So uh, Yeah, and it did sound like they take a small equity position, but instead of well, that... Well, yeah, so that's, that's a slight change you know, to that model. And so in the case of... Uh, uh, cannabis Wheaton, the the model was to 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 buy equity way above the market, like so future yeah, value basically. Yeah, I don't so quite get that, but I didn't get that either, Alan. I was going to ask you that, like, I know, get so well. Alignment. It gives it gives some alignment, and so it's it's a little bit of a slate of hand, I think, because basically you're you're getting you know one divided by two and a half of what you say you're getting, but you are getting free equity. You can say we're getting equity at this high of a price, 
Right. It's just really a, you want the stream of revenue from the cannabis grow, and yeah. the equity portion is just like a throw-in almost. Yeah, that's that's the way Chuck describes it. I, I don't want to speak for him or get too much into no, it, but well, that's, that is that's kind of I'm, the way that model's supposed to work. But, but there's and, more to it than money. And that's the part that I think well, – I just want to get to the big picture. The big picture is right now Canada has a huge shortage potentially in – 2018 or, or whenever they actually start the legal sales, there could be a, a huge shortage. And uh, I heard. Health Canada is frantic right now. They're trying to get more people licensed. And so whether it's uh, Canopy uh, Rivers, which is related to Canopy Growth, or Cannabis Wheaton, it's not just giving people the money. Uh, it's also getting them technical knowledge and the wherewithal so that they can uh, scale rapidly. And I definitely get why, as an investor, I'd rather who I'm investing in be investing in companies that are already growing and just trying to increase production than investing in companies that who knows if they're ever actually going to produce the plant. Well, this is, this is a good uh, yeah, observation because the market right now, and I, you know, look, I, I follow this full time and I sometimes get confused. There's so many of these Canadian LPs now and even more if you factor in people that say that they're a quote-unquote late-stage applicant, and they're all at various uh, stages. And here, here's the problem, and I, I don't want to pick on anybody or name names. It's just I've seen this in other industries, and it's going to be the same thing here. People are out there saying, we're building this factory, and, okay, we have this pile of cash. We're going to turn it into this factory, which is going to be turned into this much cannabis. And I can promise you there's going to be some sad stories along the way. It's just not yeah. going to play out the way everybody expects. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to name names now, but there was those ones in the past that we watched a fence possibly go up. Hey, for I, I visited that fence. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's a nice fence, a very nice I'm fence. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, so understood. And, so knowing that, and let's go back to that time, Alan, because we talked a little bit about halting and the yep. way things happen in Canada. So going back to that time, PHOT, we were talking about it before yep. you came. PHOT was a company. Oh, yeah, I heard it. you. <laughs> so, so whatever happened there, did we ever find out the answers? No, I, I think this is uh... – just one of these things, unfortunately, the, the penny stock world is nasty. And uh, I, I've learned a lot over the last few years. You know, I was a newbie back then to the penny stock world, not to stocks, but yeah. penny stocks. And, uh, you know, there, there's a couple of schools of thought there uh, that it may have just been the SEC trying to chill things. It, it's yeah. very possible, but there's no proof of that. Uh, there was also a financier there uh I think his first name is David, and his last name uh, W E I N E R. I don't know if he says Wiener or Weiner. I don't Let's remember. Call but him. We're going yeah, with Wiener, Wiener on Hot Club Radio. <laughs> so th there was some evidence that came out that possibly that that's what it was about, and then there were some theories that there were some insider sales going on that that's what it was about. But uh, like, like you said earlier, nobody ever charged with anything so i don't know and who knows how history would have played out i mean that stock was ridiculously overvalued as were all those stocks back then and so you know when you ask me what's the difference between today and back in well i guess we can call them the good old days for at least till april of 2014 i mean 
it, it is a totally different world now. The types of investors are different. Uh, expectations are different. Companies are different. We now have I, – I talk about things that I, I could not have said uh, three or four years ago. Uh, we're talking about – it's not a four-letter word either, but it's revenue. I mean, there are now companies cranking out revenue. Uh, we're yeah. seeing, like, real legitimate people come into the space, and it's slow, and I don't like to – trumping it too loudly because it, it's going to take a while, but it's we definitely that? we're in a better place. Are we seeing that in the States, though? Are you seeing companies That's what I'm talking revenue? about, yeah. But people don't, aren't even paying attention, but that's okay. It's, I'm not. If there's, tell me <laughs> who are the companies that are really producing good revenues in the U.S. Okay, so look, I want to be full disclosure. So one of the things that's changed for me over the last few years is uh, I created a, uh, a new business uh, – in parallel to what I do at 420 Investor, which some of your audience members might not know, but 420 Investor is a subscription-based service, and it's still 100% the same. You get, you get me telling you, no matter whether a company's paying me or not, you, you hear the honest truth. So nothing on that front changed. But I'm working with a select number of companies, mainly in Canada, but a few in the United States. So I just want to disclose that because that's one of our criteria. We, we are working with companies – that's one of our criteria. We have several. They can't be promotional and they can't have toxic convertible debt. They also have to have revenue. So we, we, we think at New Cannabis Ventures that that's a key thing. So, so when you're asking me about revenue, it's not, not going to be a surprise that I'm going to name some of our clients, which I'm ha this is all public information, so I'll tell you who our clients are. But, and there's others as well that have revenue. So, but, uh, yeah, so, one one stock that nobody in the audience has heard of likely is called Grow Generation, and it's a, it's kind of a boring story. Uh, they have, uh, uh, I guess, 14 hydroponic stores now. They just entered Washington State, a, a big base in Colorado where they've been. They acquired a, a in 2014. They acquired an existing business there, and uh, they're in Nevada, one store, and two in California, now one in Seattle. But uh, they did sales of $8 million last year and uh, have given guidance for $15 million this year. And, you know, they're able to raise capital. There's no toxic debt. It's an interesting story. Boring, but that's the kind of boring story that this world needs, Alan. Well, <laughs> Guys listen, that are just producing this. cannabis. Go ahead. Doesn't what I just said sound like grow, grow life? Stores selling hydroponics equipment? Isn't that like the same concept? Yeah, but, but if you think you about said, it, but you said that? this company has you said this company has no toxic debt. <laughs> exactly, and it has a lot of revenue. And here's what this when I tell you we're in a night and day situation. People were going gag out over Grow Life, and you know I'll take some blame for it too. It was an exciting time, and they were yeah. the best of a bad breed. And now you yeah. have a company that's the real deal, in my opinion, on that same business model. And they're able to raise capital and all that, and you know the market cap is forty million. I got excited about Grow Life when it was less than forty. I mean, more than forty million more market 40 cap. Million. I know. Yeah. So that's one, uh, and they're a client of ours. Kush Bottles is is a client, and uh, their their uh, revenue is going to be a lot bigger because they just did an acquisition. But uh, you know they're above ten million a year. Uh, uh, Cerna is not a client. Cerna, uh, and, and they're struggling a little bit right now, but their revenue is going to probably be in the close to 10 million range. And so they're really a company. Cool things going on with Cerna. 
I, I really – I've been a fan of Cerna for years now. I really thought they had the technology that seemed superior to everybody else. Yeah, I don't know if it's technology. They, they have – I mean, we'll see. There is definitely some technology there, but it's really – I think their secret sauce is their systems integration and their ability to, to take not necessarily some special technology, but to be able to – apply this technology to the specific needs of cannabis growers. So uh, maybe you were talking about the reflectors, and uh, it, that just hasn't really proven out yet. Uh, okay. Uh, but, but hopefully it will. And then they've been talking about this hybrid greenhouse. So I, I think they do have some technology, but it's really what's, I think it's really their customer service and their ability to integrate technology to their clients' needs. But, uh, but th- that's another example of a company. And this is really cool. I, I mean, uh, your audience might not uh, know this, but this is something I shared last week. Uh, there was a uh, 8K that came out, and uh, so uh, th- this guy Chris Bechtel, he is uh, he joined their board of directors, and he put out a Form 3, I think, on Friday after the close. Usually, those filings that come out on Friday after the close are bad news, but this one was good news. He he has uh, uh, nine million shares of the stock that he has bought with his own money. I know you're not a big math guy, but that's a million bucks right there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, and we're starting to see that. Where a person like Chris Bechtel, who actually happens to live down here in the Houston area, and his background, he's probably going to get really mad if I talk about him too much, but he, he's a, he was an uh, entrepreneur in the energy industry, and he sold his business to, I think, to Weatherford, you know, big in, in energy company. I think it was Weatherford. And, uh, Anyway, he stayed on there for, for years to run uh, the company uh, that he sold out. And, I mean, somebody asked me, like, you know, is a million dollars a lot for the guy? And I'm, I'm thinking it's probably not a lot, a lot, but it's a lot for anybody, right? A lot for a million dollars is a million dollars. <laughs> Cannabis investment. Well, is a- and if you do the math on him also, you could, you'd see that I think he's put, oh, I don't want to overspeak it, but he's probably put half a million, if not more, into uh, Supreme Pharma. He was an early investor there. He used to be on their board of directors. But anyway, so I digress a little bit, but you're asking about revenue. Uh, There are others as well. I mean, look, Caratech, you can love it or hate it, but they – you know, they have guidance for 38 to 40 million in cannabis. That's going to be about 30 million of revenue. Uh, You know, uh, you can knock no, I've always been a fan of Derek and TRTC. No, I, I, some people are going to knock it, but I mean they're doing it, and uh, you know share structure issues. And there's a lot of questions that come up, but that that's one that has a lot of revenue. You know uh, what it is with TRTC? I really believed in Derek. Like I uh, don't get me wrong, we've met a lot of CEOs who you know can shake your hand and say one thing and then do something else, but Derek always was a business person. He really did at least seem like he was trying to go about things the right way. So I like Derek and, you know, sometimes I have differences of opinion with him, but I mean, he runs the company, not me. So that's all right. Uh, he gets a lot of heat from a lot of people, but uh, count, count me as a fan and certainly hoping the best for that company. But there's another one with, with revenue, although they don't have, you know, they're burning, they're burning cash pretty badly, whereas these other companies not, not as badly or or at all. Uh, what else is in a revenue one? I mean, uh, the the list is getting longer and longer, and 
uh, like, look, I, I still follow General Cannabis, and uh, uh, you know they've they've stalled the last couple of quarters, but they're still on you know four million or more per year in revenue. Uh, uh, trying to think of some other ones the that have bigger that numbers. The fact that there's there a, a list, list of companies that are producing revenue in the OTC related to cannabis is right there, a, a huge step up from where it we is. were. And, and, you know, and back to Kush, I mean, uh, they have coverage from Cowan. Cowan is a, a major Wall Street firm. I mean, it's not one of the top three Wall Street firms, but it's a top ten Wall Street firm, very highly respected with research that's, you know, generally viewed very positively. So, that's uh, uh, you know a feather in the cap for the whole industry, and then we have you know there's some other things that are going. On. Who would have thought we'd have a New York Stock Exchange listed REIT? Now I have not been a big fan of the price, and I don't think it's the time to buy it. But yeah. we have one that's IIPR, and then uh, and I follow that one closely. Uh, met the CEO not too long ago, and then there's another one on the way. It looks like on, on to the Nasdaq called Calix. Uh, it's a kind of complicated deal on. It hasn't closed yet, so we'll see. Uh, oh, another one, Solace Tech. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, can you tell us? Can you just explain real quick how a real estate investment trust works as it's yeah. related to cannabis? Yeah. So, uh, so look, the the very wealthy people out there, they're, they they have too much to lose. They don't want to necessarily invest in uh, cultivation or dispensing or anything like that. So, but they somehow think that they're insulated. I don't necessarily agree. <laughs> But they buy, buy the like, the real estate <laughs> that's used. So, anyway, the way the REIT works, the REIT buys a property. It's usually, in this case, going to be a sale and lease back. Like, I'll, I'll give you some specifics for this company. And uh, so the REIT, uh, this REIT raised, like, $66 million. They put about $30 million into a uh, facility in New York that's owned by Pharmacan. And Pharmacan uh, is a multi-state operator, and they put their corporate guarantee on top of it as well as the property. Kind of a dicey property for now, but hopefully New York gets better. And I forgot exactly what it was, but they get about a 21% return on their investment, this company, uh, Integrate IIPR, for doing that. So, you know, if they could do that over and over, it'd be good. The problem I saw was that they put half their money into this one asset. So they, they're going to raise more money over time. Then they also put the uh, one quarter approximately into a Maryland – can't remember if it's cultivation and processing or one of those two, but uh, so they they go out and they uh, you know they they raise the money and then they put it in they buy the real estate from somebody that's licensed uh, in a medical state only, not recreational. They think that gives them some sort of protection, and you know they're they're earning it. So over time, like this company just declared a dividend. So so if you're like an investor, like well I don't want to invest in something that could be go to zero because the federal government comes and seizes it, I, I yeah. think you're a little bit wrong to invest in the REIT because they can go seize that as well. But, uh, exactly. but that, that's, that's what the they take. Here. I mean, what the government does is take property. So Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I'm just trying to explain the way people think. So I, I think they, I like they believe. I like the thinking of real estate is always real estate, you know, even if it doesn't work for cannabis. But, but that's not exactly true because, for one, they could seize it. The federal government could just seize it, and, and yeah. then it's a zero. And, two, uh, what do you think they're going to do with this big facility in upstate New York if, if 
if let's just say a year or two from now things go really south and there's no more cannabis it's just totally federally illegal and state illegal i don't know I, i'd hate to think that could happen but that property isn't worth squat so we could grow really the, expensive orchids tomatoes or like <laughs> tomatoes right exactly heirloom tomatoes windmills so, i don't know but to me it's exciting it's not look just because you can't invest in it right this second doesn't mean it's not worth talking about and uh, yeah and you know i could be wrong maybe it is worth buying right this second but I don't think it is. There, as I tell you, on the revenue front, there's another company called Solistech. And, God, I think this thing started trading in late 14, early 15. It never traded. They never put out press releases or anything. All they did was crank out revenue. And uh, the symbol there is SLTK. Again, they are a client of ours. And uh, uh, they're, they're above $10 million a year in revenue. So, uh, and, and there's another concept I want to introduce maybe uh, your audience too, or remind some others. And I said it earlier, these Canadian uh, funded companies are coming into the United States. We're seeing a lot of that. And some of them are kind of interesting. Uh, one, one that people may have heard of is called Ianthus. Have you heard of that one? I have. Yes. Yeah. So there the story is you got these guys, one's a former Goldman Sachs, uh, Banker and then Randy Maslow, who comes from corporate America. These are these are the kind of guys that rich people are going to trust to be stewards of their capital, and and they've proven that. Like I just kind of like ironically, one of my friends is a high net worth broker, and he once said, "Hey, Alan, have you ever heard of this company, Ianthus or something like that?" So of course, I mean that's the type of people they're going to get to invest because they know them. And Hadley Ford. You know, people may not know it, but both of his siblings are are in the cannabis industry. So it's not like he's a total Wall Street guy only with no clue. But uh, so they raised. Oh yeah, good. Yep. So uh, they are a client too. I should I want to disclose this all properly. And and I should also say when I say someone's a client, we don't go out and write content or say buy or anything like that. We have these things called investor dashboards. And uh, anyway, so that story. Is, is interesting because they have exposure in, in several states, but the one that's really most important is Massachusetts. And so, uh, you know, that's going legal next year. And so you, you have these companies that are starting to develop multi-state publicly traded entities, and they're a little bit different because, like, well, Ianthus will not hold the license at all. I'm going to tell you about another one I bet you haven't heard of before. And uh, it's a really funny story, actually. And uh, but But they basically – when you step away and say, what are they really doing? They're doing everything but holding the license. They, they provide services for a fee. They own the real estate. They own the brands and the intellectual property involved in the business. And they, they have various uh, ways of earning money, whether it's through interest or uh, royalties or, or management fees. And so basically, as an investor, you, know, you can look at these companies as diversified portfolios. And so I think Ianthus still kind of immature in terms of its portfolio. It's not really producing much right now. But uh, So the one I bet you haven't heard of, uh, which I should disclose is about to be a client of ours, is called, uh, it's got the worst name, Canadian Bioceuticals. Have you heard of that one? Nope. <laughs> so this thing caught me totally off guard. Uh, the symbol is BCC in Canada, and uh, – in the United States, they actually now have an OTC listing, uh, QB, uh, CBICF. So I'm sitting at my desk some you know, early January morning, and 
and I see this press release, and I'm like, whoa, what is this? And you know me, I'm very cynical. I'm like, this is total bogus. These people raised $27 million? Give me a break. No way. So I looked into it, and now it took them a long time. This was a deal in the making for a long time. But uh, uh, the money was raised out of the U.K. with money coming mainly from the U.K. and the United Arab Emirates, but I think there were about 10 or 11 different countries. Uh, I forgot the exact number of people, but uh, over I think over 100 investors, some of them in big, that raised this money at 20 cents Canadian to put into this company for their first acquisitions, which were uh, two – dispensaries in Arizona. Arizona is a medical-only state. Very good to be an investor in Arizona because the uh, number of licenses is limited. And, uh, and the, uh, the, it's, it's, it's kind of tough to be an operator there, but if you are one, if you can get it, it's good because they don't really restrict how much cannabis people can buy. It's a very open market. It's a great market. Okay. And, uh, so they bought uh, – it's called Health for Life. So, again, they, you can't buy the, the license because it's a not-for-profit. But anyway, the numbers are published. I mean, we're talking about $22 million a year in revenue or something like that uh, with EBITDA of about $6 million, and they paid $25 million to buy to buy that operation. Uh, and then since then, they've announced a bunch of other things, uh, most of which are still pending, but to just to shorten the story a lot – when it's all said and done, and they've raised additional capital at, at higher prices, they're going to have uh, uh, they are going to have uh, exposure in Arizona, Nevada, Massachusetts, and Maryland, and, and they're not done. So anyway, the, this to me is very exciting, and I'm not telling people they should buy the stock or don't buy the stock because that's not really what I'm here to talk about, but. For people that are paying attention to the market or interested in the market, there's stuff to talk about now. Yeah, there is. And you, you talked about Canada being involved in U.S. cannabis. Yeah, so both of these companies were Canadian companies I just mentioned. So I'm going – they're trying to get from – right now they are – there's 1.4 million square feet of growable uh, space in Canada, and from yeah. Chuck Rafiq, from Chuck Rafici in your interview, I heard him say they had to get the 14 million square feet by. The I, I hear a slightly lower number, but yes, it, it's a okay. big problem. But that's, I just want then, to put it in context. That's to totally cover the black market. I don't think that it's realistic okay. to expect on, on day one that you're going to convert 100 percent of the market. It, it's so, but it's it's a big problem because uh, the industry has to scale up a lot. And it's just really unproven. There's only so a couple of companies that I think are proven on, on their Canadian ability to scale. Canopy, Canopy Growth. What's up? Are Canadian companies getting into U.S. to just provide us cannabis, or are they looking at us? Oh no, no, capital, no. capital. Sorry. So right. look, if you look at the if you look at the rules for Canada and the exchanges and all that, uh, if you're on the on the Canadian stock exchange then it's possible that you could be operating in Canada and you know, doing something in the United States. Uh, most of these companies don't trade on the CSE. Most trade on the TSX Venture or the TSX. And the, these companies are required by the Toronto Stock Exchange to not be in the United States. It's, it's, it's a very 
clear rule. There's only one company that seems to disagree with it, and they're acting differently, and that's Afria. So, so no. What I mean is the money in Canada is coming into the United States to build out our uh, our infrastructure, our, our cannabis infrastructure. But not in hopes of that helping Canada and their problem. That's no, just them no, no, no. Totally separate. Totally understood. Separate. That's what I thought. I was just making sure I was understanding. Yeah. Totally separate. So, so yeah, no. So, so, so there's a great and vibrant industry in Canada, and then there's an offshoot of that. They're just they're really fine, and maybe it's because people got so rich on this whole LP thing that maybe some of that money's being recycled into these different vehicles. But you know, I'm, I'm hearing it literally every week: uh, a new entity being funded up in uh, Canada to come into the United States, especially in California. A lot of these California. Uh, cultivation uh, facilities are, are are finding their funding from Canada. Interesting. And maybe there's, maybe they think you know here in the United States, some people you know they're worried. They don't want to necessarily invest in a cultivation facility and have the feds come knocking on their door. Maybe people in Canada, at least maybe they'll lose their money, but they're not going to lose their uh, their freedom. Maybe, maybe that's part of it. I don't know. I'm sure it is. I know. I, I, I get why they see that there's money to be made here, and if they can make the money without taking as much of the risk, I get why that would look like a possible option. So companies, yeah. companies in Canada, I know you were talking about Canopy Growth. Uh, yep. Who are you biggest fan of, whether they're one of your clients or not one of their clients? Do you see sure. Canopy Growth as the, you know, the, the number one cannabis producer? Or, or company you should yeah. look at in Canada? So, you know, it's funny. It, 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 the answer to that is going to obviously depend on, you know, when you're asking me. And at this point in time, the answer is yes. Uh, I actually like Canopy. When I think about some of the risks facing the industry right now, they have – I was just in their facility uh, uh, literally two weeks ago. And, you know, they have this huge facility that's that's mostly built out, but they can continue to expand there, which is – sounds a lot less risky than some of these other companies that are building totally brand new facilities and that yeah. they've never grown in such scale. So I think they have a lot less execution risk. I'm not going to name names than some of the other co- companies. So I do like that at the same time. And I don't know how many names I want to name. So I just, I want to talk conceptually. There, there have been, there is a serious uh, issue for investors in Canada. It used to be really easy to track the market, there were like six companies, and you, you could like Metrum or not like Metrum. Well, now you can't like Metrum because Canopy bought them. Or you could like Bedrican or not like Bedrican. Well, now you can't because Canopy bought them. So those two are gone. Uh, and uh, so there's just a handful of companies. Two years ago, now there's literally 18. Uh, later this week, 19, and I'm counting four or five more that'll be public by the end of the year. So investors are getting confused and fatigued and uh, uh, and still confused. I'll say that again, doubly confused. And so I think that there's going to be some interesting buys in the space. Uh, I don't know that we're at the rock bottom price yet. I've been kind of negative in general on Canada uh, because the timing to the legalization is pretty far out there. It's uh, yeah. more than a year still. So. And, and I was really aware of all the supply. Uh, at the, 
I think, though, for people that really want to watch this market that maybe missed out on that last big run, there's going to be another big run because there is going to be a shortage. And those who really are in a position to produce are really going to have uh, a period of time that's going to, life's going to be really good for them. And so I agree. Uh, that's what I'm going to take right now. But, yeah, whether it's from 1.4 million square feet to 14 million or even if it's half that to 7 million. That's a huge increase to prepare for when, like you said, there's not going to be a ton of preparation when they don't know when it's happening. So there's going to be people who, once they announce if July 2018 is the date, that are going to be racing to the finish line and be able to get there quicker than... But realistically, coming from the cannabis industry, everything, like how you said earlier, everything doesn't always go as planned. Never goes as planned. I, I would yep. think this industry, correct me, Alan, do you think there's any industry that things are as unforeseen as they've been in the cannabis industry? The, the mining industry seems to have its thing. <laughs> there's some similarities there. I've seen people that, oh, there's so much gold and we'll get it out. And then they realize that the roads are frozen half the year. They can't get it out or something crazy like that. But yeah. So, so another one I like, not a client, is Supreme. And it, it's a tough one because they do have a couple of risks that I like to remind people of. And, and John Fowler gets mad. I think, well, maybe he doesn't get mad. He just gets tired of me talking about it. But two, two risks there. Well, they've never proven that they can do what they say they're going to do. I think they can. That's why I like them. But they need to prove it. They still don't have their sales license, if you can believe it. That's one thing that hasn't changed, unfortunately. But that's been kind of a little tragedy. But they'll get it. And uh, what I like yeah, but- about those guys is they they have a wholesale model. And so, you know, I don't think it's very realistic to expect a company to be able to be the best cannabis grower and the best cannabis call center operator and the best cannabis branding company. So a lot of different skill sets are going to emerge over the next few years. So these guys are doing what I think a lot of companies should do, which is pick what you're going to do well and do it. And so I think that in a market that's going to be undersupplied to be a wholesaler is going to be a really good thing. So that's, that's what I like. I, the other risk I like to talk about besides the fact they really haven't proven that they can do what they say they're going to do, although I believe they can, is that they, they issue these convertible notes. They're not toxic, but it's still it's a bunch of debt. And I, just, I think that was a little aggressive on their financing. They're not the only ones that have done that. So if things go wrong there, you're going to have to bail because it could go really wrong. So I'm hoping that that doesn't play out that way, but it's just something as an investor to keep in mind. I'm hoping so too because I loved having John Fowler on and, and was a fan he is of He a good guy. Yeah, yep. seemed like a good guy, and I like their hybrid technology of the somewhat outdoor grow. It, it seemed like a valid plan, but – to hear that they don't have their sales license at this point. Yeah, no, it's a pretty burning thing. So. Ah, that's tough. They were, they were growing some really nice-looking product. And uh, so I don't think this is an issue, but it's still not resolved. Uh, they were using products from this guy named Remo, a uh, very well-known uh, nutrients provider. Uh, and uh, so something happened with, uh, the Canadian regulators, not really related to the cannabis part necessarily, but some sort of stupid rule about, uh, you know, uh, kind of the testing or something you need to do when you're mixing certain things. I, I don't want to say it wrong, but basically a very technical issue with this 
uh, fertilizer. Uh, and so basically the fertilizer company has a little bit of an issue. It's, it's, they're not – I mean, as a matter of fact, there were tests that were done. It's not like they're putting pesticides in it or anything like that. It's just a, a very technical issue that's caused a delay. So just to hedge themselves, they started growing all over again. So – but it could be they're going to have to destroy their their inventory so far, but hopefully that's not what happens. But but that that's another one I really like, mainly because uh, of the business model. I guess rather destroy it than not have it. Yeah, it's better, better to grow it and have to destroy it than be able to do something with it and not have grown it, I guess. Yeah, well, I, I, guess. I think it's risk mitigation because if, if they were to just sit there and wait for this to play out and it and – it, they're told you can never use this product again, so you have to destroy that, and then they aren't growing. To, to add a little bit of insult to injury for these guys, they, uh, they're one of the few LPs that, that grows from seed and develop their own genetics and stuff. So that slows them down, I think, four weeks, if I'm not mistaken. So that, that's added a little bit to their process as well, growing from seed instead of from clone. Cloning. Interesting. Alan Brock. But there's some other ones, too. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. As a, there's some other ones too, and I, I think while it is hard to necessarily, you know, very time consuming to really do the research. I, I, I'm telling my subscribers, I'm like, look, there's now 19 LPs, including Med Relief, this week. Uh, as a human being, I don't have time to, to fully cover 19 companies the way I'd want to cover them and to cover the rest of the space. So I'm finding myself. Uh, spread a little bit thin. And uh, so I would imagine any investors out there in the same boat, if I'm like a full timer and I'm struggling with this, but I think that it really pays to kind of monitor these companies, get your metrics down, what you're looking for out of them, figure out where they are in their cycle. Some of these, you know, I don't think investors always know this, but some of these don't have their sales license yet. Some of them have their sales license, but they're only growing, you know, uh, a few kilograms, not hundreds or thousands of kilograms. So they're all a little bit different and, uh, you know, know the market caps and know which ones you like the management, things like that. And you, there's going to be some opportunities because there's so many stocks and it's, it's not necessarily efficient. So do you think it is a smart strategy to take a group of maybe five to 10 in Canada, five to 10 in the U S and follow them closely? Or do you think it's smarter to just really just be aware enough to scan the market more than focusing on a few individual companies? If you're a trader, definitely focus on more. If you're an investor, I would say, try to whittle it down to a list of, I don't know if I'd say as small as you just said, but, but in that magnitude of, you know, uh, 50, you know, 10 to 15 in each, each country. Although there's going to be more countries. Germany is going to be a huge story. That's something you should be paying attention to. Uh, well, one other thing that's come up, Eric, when we talk about 2014 versus today, there's now an ETF and more, more maybe on the way. And that's just crazy. Who would have thought that uh, a few years ago, right? Right, but uh, it's a Canadian one, and it's not the best. Uh, it's not the best. They've got that company Insys in there, which I can't stand. And <laughs> they got Scott's, Scott's Miracle Grow in there, which, gosh, you know, that's not really a cannabis company. Why can't you but stand Insys? Insys? Well, I mean, they gave half a million dollars uh, to the anti-cannabis uh, campaign to defeat it in Arizona. That's starters. They're crooks. Uh, you know, if 
the overcharging uh, Medicare and all that, it, it, this is bad news, but not a good company. That is, that is Even a company my wife that knows that. My, my wife just came in from out of town, and she asked me if I had ever heard of this company, I-N-S-Y-S. I was like, yeah. And so she said, oh. I, she said, I, I saw this thing on on TV last night. I said, let me guess. It was on NBC, right? She said, yeah, how do you know? And I said, I talked to the reporters. So, yeah, I know. I know it's, it's bad news, very bad news. Still, still GW Pharma, still not bad news. I didn't miss anything there. That uh... no, you know. And so that's that's you know, if you if you'd have asked me or you know, I think you'd have agreed back in 2014 that was the quality play, and yep. it's progressing. It's kind of got a nasty looking chart right now, and I think people are starting to get nervous about will this drug get approved or not. So uh, it's, been, it's been a painful year. I, I took a lot of heat uh, over Twitter because. I did an interview with somebody, and uh, I said that the year was going to be back, back end loaded. That GW Pharma probably wasn't going to do well in the first half of the year, but in the second half of the year, it'd probably do better. And people got all upset about that. And my reasoning was just this: that you know, people are going to be nervous in front of this, uh, and they still haven't even filed. And so I think part of why. GW Pharma's down so much this year because biotech's up a lot. Uh, and, and part of why it's underperforming biotech incredibly and why it's down a little bit year to date is that they, they keep delaying on when they're filing this. And uh, it's just, it was a subtle delay, but it's it's been delayed for the uh, third time. Investors don't like unknown. Yeah, and so if you look at the chart over the last two years, so don't take down that one-year chart and you put up the two-year chart, and, uh, you know, this stock looked like it, the company was going out of business. And then all of a sudden, you know, it went from 135 to 35, and it was just totally painful to watch that. And, uh, you know, how do you average down on something like that? Uh, you have to do it multiple times, I guess. And then uh, they came out with their first uh, uh, clinical trial results, and they were excellent. And so the stock rallied a lot. Then they came out with the second one, and it rallied a little bit more. Then there were the rumors of Morgan Stanley had been engaged to fend off some sort of hostile bid, and the stock soared on that. And then they had the third. That last gap up was the third clinical trial, so everything was good, and the stock got ahead of itself. So that's what I stocks will tell you, do, right? Not a fan of averaging down, but uh, that would have been a time that if you did it, you would have benefited from doing it. I think there's some uh, – if you're going to average down on something, so something like that that's binary, uh, you know, you, you always know something like that can go to zero because, you know, if, if it's a total fail, it's not worth much. I don't think zero is the right number. I actually was saying $25 was the downside back then. But if you're going to average down on something, average down on something that has a bunch of cash in the bank, not something that has a lot of debt. And so GW Pharma definitely met on that one. Alan Brockstein, you have been a welcomed back voice that we have missed on Potstock Radio. So let's take a couple of minutes just to talk about what's going on in your world. I understand what you're doing with New Cannabis Ventures. I've listened to a couple interviews that you did there and read some articles. Love it. 420investors.com. What else are you doing? You're up in Canada all the time. What no, no, on? no, no. I don't get up there very often, about once every two years. So just happy to see you up in there. Yeah. 
that what much. What do you got uh, coming up? Uh, well, I'm, I am going to be at the NCIA conference in California, and that's like literally the only thing on my uh, agenda right now until October. I'll be back. And, seems like a lot of stuff going on in California, but there's a conference I really like called the New West Summit. And actually, I had a, a follow-up call with them today hoping to get like a little investment track there for, for public companies. So working on that, they're really, to this day, I mean, uh, Michael Berger's done some stuff with uh, The Money Show. So that's one venue. But besides that, there really aren't that many venues for investors to meet with the companies and vice versa. So I still think that's a, a nice thing if, if it can be done, and I'm, I'm working on that. And awesome. you, were at, you were at the original Weedstock. Uh, I was. We, right? Weedstock, yeah, so, it was Weedstock 2014. So I told them – with that name, but they want to do the conference again. It was, I got to tell you, I thought it was going to be a shit show because I've been to a lot of events that happen for the first time. And it's usually yep. like, oh, well, you can see how this would be a good event next year. And that yep. the first doc was a great event for a first event. So it, it, it worked out way, way better than I thought it would, but it was ahead of its time to be honest. And, you know, I think anybody has been listening to me tonight, Probably since uh, uh, it's a better time. And just for a, a, a little anecdote, uh, I, I got to speak at the local CFA Society in April. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I wouldn't have taken that invitation a few years ago or even last year, but I really felt comfortable speaking with institutional investors. Uh, not so much that they should be buying the penny stocks or anything like that, although well, they really can't. But uh, did I? that they should be – this is a real industry, and they should be starting preliminary work on it. That was kind of my yeah. takeaway. To have their ears up. Take yep. notice. And, and if they can invest, to look at Canada because that, that isn't a market that does appeal to, inst- to institutions. Makes sense. It's not federally illegal there, so I get nope. the advantage of Canada. So Alan Brockstein, check him out, newcannabisventures.com. If you want to be kept in the loop as to what's going on with all the pot stocks, become a member of 420investors.com and follow Alan on Twitter at, at invest420. Alan Brockstein, glad to have you back on Pot Stock Radio. Look forward to having more Alan Brockstein in the future. Thanks for having me, Eric. All right, Alan, you have a good night. We are going to our next guest, Glenn Martin, CEO of BUDS, B-U-D-Z, Weed Incorporated. What's going on, Glenn? How are you? Hey, Eric. It's been a while. Good to hear from you. It's good to hear Alan again. I know he's out there front with everything. So, uh, yeah, great to uh, be next to him on the show. So, Alan is uh, always on the working- yeah, yeah, there you go. So, you know, well, that's what they call it, new ventures, right? Inside new ventures. Exactly. Um, new cannabis ventures. <laughs> so no, speaking can, well, of cannabis ventures, let's let's talk about uh, your Weed Inc. venture and Buds. So last we spoke, so I forgot, you were actually on Potstock Radio, Glenn. I remembered us talking on the way up to – the L.A. Speedweed show in New York, but I forgot you actually called into the show for a little bit that night. Right. So we actually, like, the two guys were, were A.J. Uh, Gentile and, and myself out of New exactly. York. Of course, you were in New York. I wasn't, but A.J. and everybody else was. And, uh, yeah, that was, like, it was like August of 2015. That's so exactly uh, a long time ago, <laughs> and I don't do interviews. 
we just love the three, you know, you and, and Brian and Ryan. And uh, so we uh, uh, knew him for a little while. And then as I got to know you, uh, you're the only interview I've ever done. And now, now here it is three years later for my second interview. So you can see how much I do interviews. Very cool. We're, we're your only go-to, which I appreciate. So tell us what happens. <laughs> take us from August to – I know it's a long uh, trip, but take us from August of 2015 – when you were Marijuana Incorporated, right? Was that the name of the company back no. then? It was. Never was. Never ever. Not Marijuana. Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> that, yeah, was, yeah. that was the former name for Hemp Inc. with Bruce Perlowin, and we know. Oh, you're right. Got, so. My fault. So. Okay. Before, cut. Edit. Remove, before you were Weed uh, Incorporated, yeah, I had you no, as Marijuana. I, I, I'm actually one of only very few of the CEOs in this space that actually built the company from scratch. We did it 12 years ago as United Minds. And, okay. uh, you know, we came out with that. Five, right. And that's where we started. Five bucks a stock, uh, share. And with only 10 million shares outstanding. And, uh, you know, went through 2012 and uh, had a, a, a rough period in there from the board of directors and we and. Then we started up Weed Inc. and actually in the I guess September of 2014, and we're blessed to have the uh, number one name and number one symbol in the world, and uh, it's building it out as a global brand. So um, it's been a slow starting it up to catch up with financials and everything else. We've talked that several times on the show. Uh, we're current on the pinks. We're just getting ready now as we act like updates. We're getting ready to file our S1 registration, which has always been my goal. Uh, I've only put out like two, two press releases in the last year and a half or two years. So um, we kind of work heavily behind the scenes. We're not that pump and dump. We don't want to think that way uh, as, as Alan knows and, and, and respects. You have, you have to have a fully reporting public company. And, uh, and we totally agree. And that's why everything we do is done behind the scenes. And uh, now uh, the biggest thing that we've came for now in uh, two major accomplishments in 2017 we, uh, 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 I went to Australia all through the month of March, uh, started in Brisbane, and we formed Weed Australia Limited. We now have a new wholly owned public company, 100% owned uh, currently by the shareholders of the United States. So everything I do is we build this global brand worldwide, always benefits the parent company of the United States. This is built as a holding company. And I uh, was down there starting that up. Flew all the way out to Perth, looking at organic farms, and uh, learned a lot about it. And uh, you know, hiring top legal and top uh, accountants down there, they want to throw money at it. But they just came out legal in Australia last year, so it's kind of like being in in, in Canada in 2002 and uh, California in 1996. So we're we're blessed. We started that one up, and as we started from 2015. The medical research end, it really means a lot. Uh, <clears throat> as the, your prior guest had said, you know, you were talking about they're going from clones to seeds. Um, well, what's above seeds? Uh, actually, you know, uh, now you're talking, you know, genetics in petri dishes. And okay. that's really what we're talking about, as you saw, as I mentioned. I wish I was on the road all day today, like I said, I'm talking to you from the Disneyland Hotel, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> and. I greatly appreciate it, by the way. You calling me uh, for this. You're my buddy. What can I say? I said, all right, man. If he needs me, I'm there, whatever. I don't care. Really? The you kids went I got to tell her. You did kind of uh, save yeah. the day. 
we had cancellation and I needed a guest and you were like, I can do it, but I'm going to be in Disneyland. And I actually said, Glenn, I don't want to take away time from you at Disneyland. <laughs> no problem. I'll check in. I'll be on at nine. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yes, first vacation I think, since 2007. Uh, <clears throat> but primarily, you know, we're going, uh, it's easy to, you know, to grow pot, you know, we, you know, we don't grow pot for stoners. We want to do the genetics correctly. So we can started a cannabis genomic study, a complete study of the DNA se- sequencing, the pathogens, which is of course the diseases and going into the metabolics of the plant. And once you have those three accomplished, you really can construct a new plant. So we've already done our lab testing, started our lab in Tucson, Arizona in the middle of April and uh, started our DNA uh, extractions from uh, pure plant strains or as pure as you can get it uh, out of Southeast Asia and up in uh, Parvati Valley in India and from um, Colombia. So it's what attracted these doctors, these old strains that I have and, and we brought out. Uh, and that's where we're going with it. You know, well, we've taken our studies. We've got now tissues. They love I mean, they look through a microscope like you're looking at, you know, uh, uh, an exotic magazine. Uh, ooh, ah, look, ooh, this is great. I, you know, it's kind of funny talking to these academia, but we've hired uh, Sangra Agrotech is the name of the company, and we bought them up. And uh, I call it, so it's our brain trust. I mean, it comes with three top PhDs of Dr. Pat Williams is our, our head PhD, who was the DNA geneticist at the Walter Reed Army Hospital for over 20 years. So he knows we want to go after PTSD, and we want to get to the basics. So when we think they, they talk about cloning or seeds, we're going after, we'll build it in Petri dishes. So once we purify the strains, we're now strain-specific, disease-specific, meeting many of the requirements of the FDA and worldwide demands, uh, and especially down in Australia that no one has met. And this study will be world history-breaking, and uh, we'll have to get Dr. Pat on your show and uh, – and he could talk more on, on, on what his end is, but it's, uh, it's an exciting part of the field. So they're a, a biotechnic company. We bought them up, and uh, now that's our end. We are also, which is kind of, I told you there's a new announcement on your show. We have just went into escrow and are buying a, a large uh, uh, piece of property in uh, uh, Colorado to build our lab, and we will station out of there. Okay. That's wait. I got to actually for that one. I think we need a little sound. Hold on. You you went for a quick. I've got a breaking news somewhere. At least I had <laughs> shit. A little late for it. I had a breaking news somewhere. So will that become uh, you know, the headquarters? Just jumped in. I know. Should will, will that become the headquarters of Weed Inc? Will it be? It will be our Colorado headquarters of Weed Inc. You know, we, our principal office for the corporation, the holding company, is down in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, okay. we're, in, we're a Nevada corporation, but we are a foreign corporation doing business in Arizona. Uh, and we will apply for those licenses as we expand, which we will in Colorado. Uh, but we are actually buying a piece of property that suits our, our lab and expansion techniques. And it will be one of the finest labs in the United States. And we are the top team uh, uh, as you see in these press releases, uh, they're above my pay grade to even talk about, but Dr. Pat can uh, understand what we're looking at. But bottom line is out of these cultivars that we got, we would hope we could get five to maybe 15 patentable strains that are disease-specific and strain-specific and start developing in the products, uh, you know, whether it's on the CBD side or the THC side. I 
truly believe the cures that are going to come out come out of the THC side. You know, CBD has. Go ahead. How much do you have to spend to try to patent a strain? What's the cost of going all the way through a, a, a full patent? Millions. Uh, yeah. But they, if you look at it this way, we just started a five-year, $10 million study. Uh, we just brought about a million dollars worth of equipment out of Japan that uh, we'll take delivery next year. Uh, it's, it's very expensive, but one of our partners has uh, access to one of the largest, most sophisticated labs in the world that uh, uh, saves us a lot of money and a lot of time. So it's something that it would have cost five or six million. We can do for a million, million and a half. So we're putting all that information together in our private placement, and uh, we'll probably do a 506 offering or some type of fundraising offering late this fall once we get back fully reporting. And like I said, we'll open a file here, you know, by the end of this quarter, our S1, and uh, then it'll depend on how long the SEC takes to get us back fully reporting. And that's where we're going, and uh, we'll go after real money, but we're basically debt-free. There's very little debt on our books, and uh, by the grace of God, we go. You've always been proud of your no debt. I remember that from before, Glenn. You're very proud that you've got to where you got to without strapping the company with debt. So, and yes. can you yes. and can you tell us now how many licenses the company has or how many applications are in? Uh, you know, how many states are you planning to expand to? Just give us because when I look on the on your website. I see divisions, but I just see divisions as the Marijuana Institute of Arizona and then division one through eight. Give us an idea of what those divisions are. Well, primarily what we're doing now, it's, a, it's, an, it's an older website that needs to be updated. We've moved more heavily into the breeding edge. Uh, SangraAgroTech.com, S-A-N-G-R-E-A-G-R-O-T-E-C-H.com. Uh, is our new website. It should be up and running in the next couple of weeks. It'll give you a lot more of what we're moving up into the breeding and the biological end of it. Uh, we are rebuilding our set. Uh, I mean, our, uh, our our whole program that we have that, on our social media end. Um, and we've uh, hired some uh, Concord business plans out of Vancouver, Australia. Hello, Wanda. I'm sure she'll love hearing that. Uh, who has done many of these beautiful business plans and pitch decks uh, out of Canada. Uh, and we've hired them to take over and give us up our new business plan, so we'll have a pretty shiny package in the next couple months for both the USA and Australia, and, and then we're off to China to open Weed LTD in China. Uh, but right here, we're just, again, reforming that structure to make sure that we have everything we write as we move forward because getting back to the reporting is most important, and we're geared up like we've always has been to get to the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ, and we're still on that path. Glenn, I love that you're trying to take cannabis worldwide. You know, I'm impressed when someone's in Colorado and they're trying to be in Colorado and Washington and figure out how to get into California. You're like, oh, we're already in the United States. We're now in Australia and working on China. So. I got to well, when, when you were coming on and making an announcement, I was really hoping it was going to be the debut of your Buds page. <laughs> Yeah, coming up on your website. Here. Yeah, Stacy's been interested. Who are the Bud Babes, and how can she become one? So, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, we'll have to put that up there somewhere. Uh, uh, as we move forward, we will. Um, we kind of got sidetracked. I guess we should have stayed there, but we just decided that we would try to find a cure for cancer or PTSD or, you know, the other uh, stresses that we have in life. So um, we uh, haven't quite got there. Important. Um, that stuff's important, too. It's very important, too. Remember, we're a holding company. We have to add that division on. But we got rid of, of the mining. We're pushing all of, of that out. So, we're, you, know, you know, we just had that in there that we needed. Uh, we have, uh, you know, we're building out our research division, as you can tell, and our security division is coming along fine, uh, along with investments as we go into another division, which is Weed Australia Limited. Uh, yeah, we've now have bought over 400 domain names, starting with Weed, like, you know, Weed South Africa, Weed Tasmania, Weed Australia, and... Uh, uh, that's what we're bringing. We're going after, we're building up our intellectual property division. Uh, and that's being headed up by a U.S. company and another company that we're just hiring out of China, one of the top three law firms in China. And uh, so, therefore, we're looking for to get the worldwide RAM branded, build it, uh, keep it, you know, uh, coming out of Hong Kong. And uh, that's where we'll start with our global branding. Uh, as we do that, then we go after the licenses by late fall, early spring. We go after actual licenses. So your answer going back to answer zero. We have no licenses. That's what people always wonder. How many licenses do you have? Why do I want to play the retail game and pay a million dollars for something that's not worth 10% that? You know, uh, they're a dime a dozen. Right now they're expensive dimes. But as soon as this next couple of years and it gets off to Schedule 1 and Schedule 2 and gets off these schedules, um, uh, it will explode and have more across America. I mean, it's legal in Canada, across the Canada, growing more there than they can keep the whole country stone. Uh, so is you know, that why so you're have... in other countries? Is that why really yeah, Australia? Exactly. I mean, I got people ready to, to pile a lot more money, a lot easier, and I'm already doing the research up in here that duplicates for Australia, you know, and which we can then take worldwide because we build and develop our own products and we have it at FDA protocols to where, uh, uh, you know, we're 10 years ahead of the game. You know, uh, we've looked at many, many of these studies. And that's why I went to spend the big money to go after the groups that have done it for 25 years with NIH grants, et cetera, uh, and get it done right for once. This is world history making that is being made. You know, we see many, many flaws in many, many of the studies out there. Uh, but we want to get the studies right. We want to get our strains right. We want to get our clinical trials right. And we want to bring products to market so we know it A to Z uh, when questioned by whether it's the FDA or the, I think they call it the TAG down in Australia, uh, TGA. And, uh, you know, we, it's uh, the proper way to do things to get products to market the most pure that it can be. So how do you bring in revenue while you're uh, waiting for our government to make changes? Well, I pray a lot. Uh, but... Uh, you know, uh, we, uh, uh, you know, we, we've brought it in. Oh, I mean, uh, our stock has been, you know, it flew up, you know, starting from the elections and people are coming in and, uh, and, and basically coming in at the, at the right numbers uh, to build our stock up. Uh, they ran it up to $5 the first week in January, uh, wow. you know, from 10 cents in, in, in September. Uh, I, I'll tell a funny story that the, the, the audience might love. Uh, I'm very conservative. You know, you know, we're not that pump and dump. 
you know, I built this company from scratch with my, my daughter, Nicole, my son-in-law, Ryan, for 12 years. We're the only control persons. We've never, ever sold a share of stock in this company, uh, which would shock everybody. People think that I just, you know, own all the stock. I've owned all the stock to protect us and to get us to the New York Stock Exchange. So on January 24th, I put my first press release out in about 10 or 11 months. Within 24 hours, I get a call from the SEC from FINRA. I'm eating lunch. And then, first you know, press release. You know, yeah, I, you love that one, right? So I go, uh, uh, the first thing comes out of my mouth, I go, well, am I in trouble? The guy goes, well, no, Mr. Martin, you know, we just had some questions to ask him. It's a year and yada, yada, yada. And, of course, they, you know, are, are, uh, I think they're very good people. You know, they, this is what we need. We need a lot more from this Alan Brockstein will tell you in this, uh, you know, in this industry, uh, you know, and I know many of them that are just uh, companies that are, should not be there. Uh, but anyway, staying with, with the story, we're um, coming forward. Uh, what did I leave off that? Now I forgot that part. I don't know what happened there. Um, what did I? What did we? Where did we just end up? Oh, you you were talking now about. You lost me. Oh, you lost yourself. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> uh, that's what we for talking. Um, man, I lost that one. That's what I get. I'm sitting there eating while I'm doing the same thing out here, looking, enjoying the sun. Uh, oh, that's all right. Don't worry about that. Let, let's go to a different subject. Let's talk about I, what I remember. You have a strange uh, history in cannabis. Is that something you can or willing to talk about? Like you didn't just get into cannabis 10 to 12 years ago. You've been entrenched in cannabis since the 70s or earlier? We we have been entrenched uh, since the early 70s, been an advocate ever since. You know, so we were wild boys in the old days. You know, we know it from uh, the top uh, international and domestic levels, you know, through the late 70s. And now there is stories for the grandkids, you know. So uh, now, but what it has done, it has brought these, these antique and these land race strains, you know, under our umbrella uh, to come forward and, uh, and, and bring in this new set of uh, uh Diseases and, and cures and whatever we can find for the endocannabinoid system. We believe it's truly in the THC side and not as much in the CBD side, which does a lot. You know, I'm sure there'll be a hundred scientists. Has your um, opinion well, you, about THC over CBD? Uh, uh, no, it's always been the same. Uh, uh, think of uh, Rick Simpson, Rick Simpson oil. You know, uh, heavy, you know, uh, they, they, when you take out the, the THC side, you eliminate a, a lot of the, the curative properties uh, of the plant. Uh, you know, many people look up and, and praise Rick Simpson, Rick Simpson oil. I don't know. You know, you have to talk to him personally. Um, but there's many advocates, you know, uh, on the THC side, but they all just put it out in a homemade or their own way. So I decided to hire the PhD to come forward uh, to actually start from, you know, uh, uh, the plant to build a plant, build its own brand new species, uh, or I don't know if they call it species, I guess, uh, but a new uh, strain of uh, the cannabis plant. Where do you see the future of cannabis, you know, over the next five years? Like, what do you think is the... I don't know how to explain it, but what's the best way to say it? What do you think is the next big thing in cannabis? It's not CBD. A THC, of course, you know, is it 
Well, I, I believe that they're getting a lot more serious and separating true medical research from I need a medical marijuana card. You know, uh, I believe, you know, 10% of uh, Arizona's medical uh, population needs it for medical purpose. The other 90% are stoners and want to get high legally. We all have glaucoma. Uh, yeah, yeah. They got, you know, they got, you know, anxiety for years. Um, but, the, you know, the, so the problem is, look at California, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's kind of a ridiculous way that they, they put it out there. Um uh, but I believe, that, again, if you start with Pure Strange, you know, we have many doctors that have come to us to use the – won't be ready for clinical trials because, you know, I could, I could grow a field of 100,000 pounds, but if I don't know exactly what I'm putting in the human body, why put it in there? You know, it's real easy. There's not, it's not unregulated now. You can still grow it outdoors. You know, I mean, we will have sealed environmentally, you know, pure areas. Uh, and we're not even growing it in seeds or dirt that other things can contaminate. We're growing it in petri dishes. You know, uh, one little plant I can sprout twenty thousand other identical plants in one year. So it's a lot more efficient of a way than seeds or cloning. Um, but you know, we're you know within a year away to, to get things going, and uh, we will we will build our own farms and uh, kind of do our own deal. And that's what we've been uh, from the very beginning. And we take it slow and steady. We may be a turtle, but at least, uh, you know, we, we know who uh, and where they end up. Turtle wins the race sometimes. So it sounds like in your world anyway, what's next is attacking specific diseases or specific issues instead of just trying to grow really good pot. Um, well, you know, again, growing good pot is one of it. You know, we'll build it. It'll take, you know, within the next year, we'll, we will propagate it, you know, and, and, and perfect on the, on the strains, you know. Then we can bring it to market for, you know, certain areas. You know, uh, you can go into edibles. I really, really wish there were more regulations in that field before we go into it. Uh, we are looking at property in New York, right on Lake Erie. Why that? It's got unlimited water extraction rights. So do you hear THC water, CBD water? Uh, you know, it's also 40 acres that we, you know, would have an inroad into New York. You know, uh, they will eventually, you know, break the tie and, uh, and open up New York. That probably still takes most of uh, the smoke from California. You know, uh, you know, they just don't uh, open up dispensaries. Um, you know, but we uh, so there's there's several projects in the, on, on the horizon. Weed in Israel is a is a big one. There's a lot of research there still going on. And it goes on and on from there. Weed Switzerland has talked to us. That's expanding like wild. It's a great entry into the CBD market, and they're doing cannabis CBD, and they're actually growing CBD with 1% and 2% THC. Well, 1% THC you can go up to, and people buy flour, you know, so they don't even buy the extract. Uh, I don't know how they get any effect from a 1% THC product, but they say they do. Um, but Switzerland is a, is a great, uh, you know, a, another market Canada, of course, we're, we're very involved up in Canada behind the scenes. So, um, you know, but primarily we got a lot on our plate between Canada, U S uh, and, and Australia. It, it gives us a strong that, you know, where one market goes up or sideways, you know, we're, we're in the other markets and we control our IP out of Hong Kong is, uh, where we're looking to bring it and start building out our global brand more on a wholesale retail level in the next, uh, two to three years. And the story goes on from there. 
but uh, <laughs> we'll be all set with a new business plan next and new websites here by the end of the summer. Uh, we hope to be back with our S1, uh, you know, for done and effective by the third quarter, and uh, we'll see where we go. Glenn Martin, CEO of Weed Inc. Check him out. Symbol is Buds, B-U-D-Z, and website. By the way, this is where I got that marijuana from in the beginning. The website was marijuana-farms.com, but that's going to be redone soon as Sanga Agrotech. Sangratech.com. Coming in the near future. It's in our last press release that we just put out last week, so... uh, but, uh, yep, so we uh, lost on one, we'll gain on another. <laughs> All right. Glenn, I appreciate you taking time out of your Disney vacation to call into Potstock Radio. And I'm just going <laughs> right. to say, so for a couple of minutes, let me pretend I'm your grandson and give me one of those awesome stories about some, you know, the, the way things were in the 70s that we just couldn't imagine now in 2017. Wow. Well, a camaraderie of culture, I would say, is missing. You know, people, uh, you know, there was a lot more, you know, everybody at everybody's house was enjoying things, and it seems a lot more restrictive nowadays and uh, and going into more product lines. So uh, I guess that's what I, I, I miss the, the most is uh, the freedom that we had, and hopefully more freedom will come. You know, uh, when we get fully freed with this uh, in 2020, uh then we'll be a victory. Like I said, I've been an advocate for over 47 years now. And, uh, uh, you know, we still have brothers and sisters that are being arrested and it's out it's insane and outrageous. Um, and, uh, we will keep fighting until that's done. And, uh, and uh, at least we get to enjoy a little, a little bit now on the way. So, uh, we will is keep it, fighting. Is it at least cool for you to see that now you don't have to hide as much from being an advocate of marijuana, you know, in the past you might've been looked at as just a stoner that was trying to just help people get high where now you at least can proudly say you're involved in <laughs> cannabis. <laughs> well, it's, it, it, it's, it's funny. Uh, they, I, people get asked in a lot of interviews. I kind of stay from behind, you know, uh, when you're number two, you try harder. When you're number 20 or 30, you, you keep running. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, you know, we, we, as you say, we, we, we don't do interviews. Um, so we, uh, we just kind of keep to ourselves to our own thing and, uh, and hope the Lord is with us. Keep it up. You've got one place to come back to for interviews and just make it Potstock Radio. Do a press release once a year, then come back on Potstock Radio. We'll update people <laughs> what's going on, and then you can stop doing interviews for another year. There you go. Well, we we will get some more, uh, you know, press release out, especially over the next, uh, you know, week or two. There's a lot of exciting things going on, and we certainly appreciate your support over the years and your audience and. Uh, uh, they got my number. We're out there. So uh, God bless you all. Thanks for uh, your help. And uh, I'm off to Disneyland. I'm going to Disneyland. Right, tell, tell Mickey we said hey. Thank you again to Glenn Martin, CEO, Weed Incorporated. Check him out, B-U-D-Z, on the OTC, marijuana-farms.com, going to be sangraerotech.com in the near future. So, guys, we pulled off a show for our guest canceling an hour before the show started ended up being pretty good got to thank alan brockstein for coming in at the last minute as well as glenn martin ceo 
of Buds, uh, Weed Incorporated, B-U-D-Z, for stepping in from Disney. Alan just did it from his home. Glenn called yeah. in from Dis- <laughs> from Disney. Got to appreciate both. Give credit where credit's due. We will be back uh, next month. We will skip the first week because that would be the 4th of July week. So 7-10, July 10th. Expect us back for another Potstock Radio. Possibly Hadley Ford. Uh, along with some other good guests, you will see a banner out on Twitter in the next couple of weeks. Check us out there and have a good month. Enjoy your summer and talk to you in 30 days. Thank you guys to my co-host for being a part of the show tonight. We will talk to everyone shortly. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. And that's how she wrote.